Rivers Grace Church, building relationships that make followers of Jesus. Know, grow, go. To know him, to grow in him, to go with him. Study your word as we've now transitioned from singing songs to hearing the proclamation of your truth. I pray that we can allow your truth to penetrate our hearts. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Animal instincts. Some of you have seen the movie. That's why you chuckled, right? Or maybe you're as hardcore as me and the first animal I ever shot was a possum. I'm not kidding. Had this big, huge, 130-pound American bulldog. This is back in Indiana. Barking at something underneath the fence. I didn't know what it was, so I had to shoot it. I didn't know if it had rabies, and it turned out to be a possum doing just this, playing dead. When danger is sensed, some animals will play dead, which is actually represented by this possum here. But see, this is actually precisely what I do, or what I should say, it's precisely what I attempt to do before Hope says, honey, that's not going to get you out of going to see my parents. So I get it. I'll pull anything out, but I digress. The opossum actually is well known for playing dead, especially when their animal instincts alert them to present danger. Speaking of animal instincts, Seton Thomas, who spent years observing animals himself, declares the extraordinary ability, actually, for animals to recognize danger by saying this. And he goes on to say that it really seems, and I'm reading what he actually wrote himself, it really seems as if there must be an angel who warns or protects them. Defended by this instinct only, they will not touch poisonous grasses and will avoid the presence of their foes. Brothers and sisters, I hate to break the bad news to you. We do not have animal instincts. I mean, animal instincts? Who needs those anyway, right? Who would need those? Because after all, as believers, we have the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit who encourages us not to play dead, but rather to play smart. Play smart by recognizing, and this is very important for all of us, we need to play smart by recognizing false teachers. Let's face it. If we asked 100 random people how to get from right here to Naples, I think it would be a pretty safe bet to say that each one of those 100 people would tell us the correct way to get to Naples, what roads we should take, especially in season, out of season, rush hour, not rush hour. They would probably have the right answer for us and we would get there. But unfortunately, if we asked a similar question and asked for directions from this earth to eternal life, the vast majority of those individuals, those same 100, would probably mislead us about the correct road to travel. And no one will mislead people more about their salvation than the coming Antichrist. And this brings us to the title of our sermon this morning, The Coming Antichrist from 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. So if you have your Bible, please feel free to join us this morning in 2 Thess. No worries if you do not have your Bible. Like always, every verse will be on the screen for you. 
Last week, if we remember, we were encouraged to know that the church, a.k.a. the bride of Jesus, that same church that we just read about from Revelation 19 in our communion this morning, will be raptured prior to Jesus and his second coming. Also, we were encouraged to know that the second coming of Jesus will be preceded by all-out apostasy. See, apostasy defined means rebellion. So all-out worldly rebellion will come prior to Jesus coming again. Today, we're going to be dealing with much of the same as the Apostle Paul details the events prior to the second coming of Jesus. But unfortunately, for this world, these events include an antichrist who will come prior to the second coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Antichrist comes first, then Jesus comes second. So before we go any further, I think it's appropriate for us to get into our text and see where we are deriving this from. So 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 5 through 12. Do you not remember when I was still with you, I told you these things? And you know that it is restraining him now so that he may be revealed in the time. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will kill with the breath of his mouth and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power and false signs and wonders and with all wicked deception for those who are perishing because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Therefore, God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false in order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Amen. Our nine verses from this morning into this one simple sentence, and for you note takers, this is our main idea. According to God's perfect timing, Jesus will put an end to the Antichrist and his deception. According to God in his perfect timing, or according to God's perfect timing, Jesus will put an end to the Antichrist in his deception. I would like to introduce you to this man here. His name is Shavarish Karapetian. I'm not Russian. I think that's how it goes. Sounds good enough, close enough for government work, especially over in Russia, so we're good. But I'd like to start by recognizing a few of his least important accomplishments, okay? These are like the least important ones, like the ones that like, you know, mom like put the, you know, maybe the trophies, in the drawer and said, ah, you know, whatever, not a big deal, all right? 17-time world champion fin swimmer, 13-time European champion, 7-time Soviet Union champion, 11-time world record breaker. Those are like the least important accolades. Now, let's look at three of his most notable. In 1974, he was riding on a bus to a swimming pool where he did his training for his fin swimming. Now, mind you, fin swimmers, it was underwater. 
at times, I believe. And when he was on this bus, the bus driver lost control and was unable to gain control back of the bus. Now, the problem was the bus was going around a cliff on a mountain and was about ready to go over the cliff when Carapetian jumped into action, grabbed the wheel, brought the bus back into the road, and saved all 30 souls on board. If that wasn't enough, two years later, tragedy struck again. One winter day, Carapetian was jogging on a training run along a dam in Armenia when he witnessed a commuter bus go off the cliff into the ocean or into a frozen lake. I shouldn't say ocean. It doesn't matter. The bus went 30 feet deep. He dove in, one dive after another, and saved 20 people, almost losing his own life in the process. See, the heroic acts of Shavarish Karapetian do not end there, though, because nine years after that second bus event, he just so happened to be by a burning building where people were trapped inside. Again, Karapetian sprung into action and saved the lives of multiple individuals, brothers and sisters. Do you notice a consistent theme here? Are you, are you picking up on something that's rather consistent? Do you, do you not hear the rhyme to some of these stories? Yes, all three acts are heroic. But there's something else. There's something else about all three of these stories that is consistent. All three of these encounters have this in common. Perfect timing. Perfect timing. Shavarish Karapetian was in the right place at precisely the right time three times in a row. See, it's not that Karapetian's timing is perfect, but rather God's is. And this is never more true than what we see with Jesus. See, Jesus came at the perfect time in human history. I want to say that one more time. Jesus came at the perfect time in human history the first time. He came right when history was starting to be recorded which is why we still know who he is today. But he also came before some of this modern technology that we have, so nobody could say that there was any fakery going on. And he will come at the perfect time at his second coming as well. And we see precisely this in verses 5 through 8. Paul begins by asking the Thessalonians a very rhetorical question. He asked, do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Brothers and sisters, let this be a reminder for us. We cannot deviate from God's word. We cannot get caught up in new theories, new theological twists, and new enticing claims. Which is why we adhere to us here at Villa's Grace Church, which is why we adhere to the whole Bible, nothing but the Bible. Amen. Now, verse 6 begins by stating, and you know what is restraining him now. See, the him 
that is being restrained is the Antichrist. But who is actually restraining him? That's the million dollar question. In fact, there are about eight varying views that try to answer this question. Some of these include human governments, the preaching of the gospel, the binding of Satan, God's providence, the Jewish state, the Holy Spirit, the church, Michael, the archangel. These are just some commonly held views. I'm not saying that we should subscribe to one over the other. However, what I am saying and willing to say is this because this is very apparent. Whatever it is that now restrains the Antichrist, it restrains his all-out rebellion and evil because we haven't seen anything yet. Just when you think you're starting to see something, you haven't seen anything yet. Has to be something greater than human strength. And this is found at the end of verse 6 where it says, restraining him now so that he may be revealed in his time. See, right there it is. His time. His time is really God's time. Just like God controlled our Russian hero this morning. Shavarish Karapetian seemingly had perfect time, but God controls all time, including the time of the Antichrist, which will be short-lived anyway, because three and a half years starting in the middle, as we talked about last Sunday, that seven-year tribulation period and ending up coming short on the second coming of Christ, but those three and a half years from the middle of the tribulation till Christ comes again will be absolutely awful for those going through the tribulation. And this is how awful it will be when we just think about this. When we put this in perspective ourselves, and going back to what we've said already about looking at current events and then encouraging us back into the gospel because of what we see going around us. But for example, think about how awful that three and a half year period of time is going to be because this world is evil now, now, isn't it? Despite the knowledge of the gospel, it's still evil. Despite the influence of Christians, this world is evil. Despite the work of the Holy Spirit, this earth is still evil. This world is still predominantly evil despite all of that going on currently. But this is why it states what it states at the beginning of verse 7. For the mystery of lawlessness is already at work. Now, remove the gospel. Remove the influence of Christians. Remove the work of the Holy Spirit presently. And we understand why it states what it states at the end of verse 7 where it says, Only he who now restrains it will do so until he is out of the way. And God's perfectly controlled timing, as observed in the beginning of verse 8, states this. The lawless one will be revealed. Right in the middle of that three and a half period, waiting for that second three and a half years that are just going to be devastating to this world. So devastating that Jesus has to come back. And this lawlessness will only have to happen right after he is revealed. The Lord Jesus, as it says, will kill with the breath of his mouth, which indicates that the lawless one, which is awesome for us as believers, if Jesus can kill him with the breath of his mouth, 
it reveals to us that he is no match for Jesus. Now, take a look at the end of verse 8. Jesus and bring to nothing by the appearance of his coming. See, Jesus will do this just by the appearance of his coming. The residual effect of the Antichrist's reign will be destroyed. No matter how awful that three and a half year period is going to be, the breath of Jesus alone will crush him. But also, what does it say? The appearance of his coming. So that tells us he will also be destroyed by the glory of Jesus. Jesus and his glory alone will destroy him. The evil systems, the political power structures, the religious perversions initiated by the Antichrist cannot withstand the radiance of God's glory. Brothers and sisters, would you trade three and a half years for eternal glory? How about five, ten, a hundred, a thousand, a million years? Would you trade a million years for eternal glory? However, I bet you know someone in your life currently who is. You're thinking about him right now. You know somebody in your life who is trading now for later. It's not about now. It's about what's to come. Church, it's our job to share the good news of Jesus with those who are short on time. Just like time was up for some of those on those two buses. Just like time was up for those in that burning building. Shavarish Karapachin couldn't get to all of them, could he? He didn't save everybody on that bus. But in God's perfect timing, he got to some. And for the sake of the gospel, we can too. And this brings us to our first point this morning. The coming Antichrist is no match for the glorious second coming of Jesus. The coming Antichrist is no match for the glorious second coming of Jesus. Again, our main idea this morning stated this. According to God's perfect timing, Jesus will put an end to the Antichrist in his deception. Some of you have been paying attention, speaking of current events, to the news coming out of Israel lately. See, Israel and Hamas have been at it once again over the Gaza Strip. If there is one thing that the world should learn, if they haven't learned already, don't mess with Israel. Don't mess with Israel under any circumstance. But allow me to give you one example that happened a little over a week ago why you should just never mess with Israel. See, the Israeli military used social media to deceive Hamas. Basically, in a vaguely worded statement via social media, the Israeli military said they had invaded the Gaza Strip. They put the word out there. They let them know, we're here, we invaded. Now Hamas, in an attempt to defend the Gaza Strip, they, over the years, have dug a series of tunnels, which the Israelis have dubbed the metro. So Hamas dispatched troops through the metro, through these tunnels, to defend the strip. I didn't get that. Could you try? <laughs> I, 
I, I mean, we're preaching truth. Of course she's not going to get it. I don't know about at your house. We call Alexa A. The other day, Bruce was like, hey, Dad, A. I'm like, A, who's A? Because she wanted to tell me something she didn't want Alexa to hear. I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, I got it, I got it. Big Brother's watching. We're beyond 1984. All right, let's get back. Israeli military, don't mess with Israel, all of that. Tunnels dug. Hamas defending the Gaza Strip. The only problem was there was no Israeli troop invasion. Mm, no, didn't need to. In fact, the Israeli military used social media to deceive Hamas. Once the Hamas troops were in the tunnels, waiting to defend the strip, Israel spent the next 40 minutes bombing those tunnels, killing dozens of Hamas fighters. Brothers and sisters, the moral of the story? Deception will get you killed. And deception is precisely what God will use against those who deny the gospel of Jesus Christ. We observe God using deception in verses 9 through 12. Though the Antichrist is human, his power clearly is superhuman, which is why verse 9 states this, the coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan with all power. See, the name of Satan actually means adversary. He is our adversary. He is the Lord's adversary. But this also in, indicates that Satan is an antagonist. He is in opposition to Jesus. He has hostility towards the gospel. His power is very real, which is why he'll perform, as it says, false signs and wonders. However, even on his best day, his power is still inferior to God's. Now, we must not forget that Jesus came first with power and signs. This is why Satan's false prophet is actually called an antichrist. See, he is opposite of everything that Jesus is. Take a look at verses 10 and 11. It's like Satan has gone fishing. And he's used the shiniest, most enticing lure the antichrist could find. It'll be the same old tricks up his sleeve that he uses on fallen humanity today. What does he use? It's nothing different. He uses power. He promises that. Narcissism, sexual immorality, and a skewed overall general moral compass. And those who bite into that shiny lure are really just perishing as they're being reeled in. Even though these are the same tricks, however, the Antichrist, when he is finally revealed, it'll be a bit different. See, all these sins have been around since the fall of Adam and Eve. This is not new stuff that is being used, but this time they will be carried out with a fury unseen and never experienced before. And it's reserved for those as it says at the end of verse 10, who refuse to love the truth and so be saved. Church, what's the truth? What is the truth? It's in our name. God's grace. Grace is the truth. God's gift of faith through the work of Jesus, the work that has spared us from, as it says, perishing. And during this period of the tribulation, God will do to those what Israel just did to Hamas. He 
will deceive them. Because what does it say? In verse 11, therefore God sends them a strong delusion so that they may believe what is false. Brothers and sisters, if you know God's grace, you'll never believe what's false. Which is why we will not be around when this happens. But unfortunately for those who rejected God's grace, they will. See, there's been a lot of talk. I had a conversation last evening over these scriptures. And it was brought to my attention and reminded again. You hear a lot of talk. U.S. military all of a sudden has evidence of UFOs and aliens. So what do you think is going to happen when the church is raptured? They're already putting the narrative out there now. So when it happens later, there's going to be an excuse why all these people got raptured. Oh, it was an alien abduction. See, we've had all this proof all these years, and now it's coming out. But then somebody's going to say, well, wait, hold on. It couldn't have really been the rapture also, because look, I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor at a church, or I'm on staff, or whatever. I've been going to this church for 20, 30 years, whatever. If it was really a rapture, they would have taken me too. So it had to have been an alien abduction, or whatever they come up with. All that glitters is not gold. Know God's truth, you'll never get fooled. If you understand grace, you'll never be fooled. If you understand that you are inherently sinful, in need of the work of Jesus and not your own work, it's his work upon the cross, nobody's ever going to be able to fool you. But if you come here on Sunday morning, and it's myself or Pastor Jared or whoever else is in the pulpit, and you're hearing that pep talk to get you through the week, if you're hearing a motivational speech about how great your life can be if you just do this, that, and the third, or whatever it is that we're peddling to you, you may just buy into that alien abduction theory because you're not going to be raptured. Because you're only hearing what your itching ears want to hear. Know God's grace. Know the gift of salvation through the person and work of Jesus Christ. You'll never be fooled. Because after all, you want to trade three and a half, five, 10, 15, 20, a million years for eternity? Our best life is not now. Our best life should never be now. Our best life is to come. Yeah, I did reference a book, bestseller. It's out there. Not going to name the author. But when you see that author's face, know this. Antichrist. He is an antichrist. Yep. Not the antichrist. I'm not saying that's not my job to reveal him. I'm not the one restraining him. But he is an antichrist. Anybody who denies God's grace is an antichrist. So as Joe joins me and, and we, we finish this morning, we need to understand something about the consequences of sin. See, sin is always subject to God's judgment and death. And we have to be okay with that. Therefore, I would like to read God's reasoning for sending a strong delusion. And, and the reasoning is in verse 12. See, God tells us exactly why he does what he does. In verse 12, he says this, In order that all may be condemned who did not believe the truth, but had Pleasure in unrighteousness. Church, we are all sinful. We have all sinned 
However, it's one thing to be sinful, but it's entirely another to take pleasure in unrighteousness. So where does your pleasure reside? Does it reside in Jesus, or are you still trying to hold on to what's pleasurable in this fallen, evil world? We can either follow what's wicked or follow what's true, but we cannot follow both. Brothers and sisters, the choice is ours. And whichever we choose solidifies God's judgment as being fair and God's judgment as being just. We know the ending. We've all been warned. And this brings us to our second and final point. Those who reject God's grace will be blindsided by his judgment. Those who reject God's grace will be blindsided by his judgment. Again, one last time, our first point this morning stated that the coming Antichrist is no match for the glorious second coming of Jesus. And finally, once again, our main idea stated, according to God's perfect timing, Jesus will put an end to the Antichrist and his deception. Lord, we are thankful for the work that we see you doing. I want to pray for us here at Villa's Grace that we can continue to be used to share your gospel. This world is doomed. The only hope is you. Prepare us to be better servants for the calling that you have placed in our lives to share the good news of Jesus with those who do not know you. But also, Lord, we can encourage one another in that process with the gospel as well. We pray this in the name of Christ. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more information, look us up on our website, www.villasgrace.com or drop us a line via email, connect at villasgrace.com. Dot com.